We've been in a series, as Pastor mentioned, called Get Over It. And I believe our first week had to do with excuses. A lot of us are really good at making excuses, but we need to get beyond those. We need to, to fully surrender to the Lord, put all the excuses aside, and just follow him and what he's called us to. And then last week, we talked about complaining, and everybody's got sore tongues this week because we've been biting them all week long. Honestly, I think I went over to the, to the lunch last week after service, and already I was hearing people say, but you're not complaining, are you? But you're not complaining. Uh, we didn't have any complaining in our home this week because of that message. Thank you, Pastor Nathan. It's a little bit of a lie. We still complain some, but. And as Pastor mentioned, as he was praying, this week we're gonna jump into our third week in the series, and we're gonna talk about fear, something that we all probably have dealt with or are dealing with or have possessed at one time or another. And we're probably born with some fears, just naturally they happen, but then there are others that seem to accumulate and grow over the years. And I've got a few of them that I think are, are typical fears. How about heights? Anybody in here willing to admit that you're afraid? Anybody in here willing to do that? Because that makes me nauseous just looking at it, to be honest. Um, that's a little bit nuts. I don't want to know how high up that guy is, but how about this next one? Anybody afraid of that? Does that make you start thinking that you feel something crawling on you or on your leg? And if people start getting up and running out here in the next few minutes, I'm sorry, but uh, just helping to make a point. How about the next one? We've had a few of these around lately. Um, storms, that can be something that, that makes us a little bit fearful. How about this last one? Yeah, anybody like those? Not me. If you want a good story, ask my wife about sixth grade camp when we were counselors and my... Uh, one of my not-so-good boyfriend moments that had to do with snakes and my wife who does not care for them at all. How about the dark? Anybody afraid of the dark? There's a good story, and you may have heard this one, but uh, five-year-old Johnny, he's in the kitchen, and his mom's making dinner, and she's getting things ready, and she asked him to go get him a, a can of tomato soup from the pantry, and now their pantry was like a walk-in pantry. It wasn't like mine where it's just one shelf and there's not much in it. It was like a big, you know, old school pantry where you walk into a full room. And so he starts to go in and he realizes it's dark in the pantry. It's pitch black in the pantry. It's dark in there and I'm scared. And well, she asks him again. And finally, um, she says, after he keeps complaining and, and doesn't want to go in there, she says, okay, it's going to be okay. Jesus will be in there with you. So Johnny starts to walk hesitantly because how do you argue with that when your mom says Jesus will be with you? And he he gets to the door and he opens it slowly and peeking inside and seeing it's completely dark and he's scared of the dark and he's just about ready to leave when all of a sudden he has this idea. And he looks back in the room and he says, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me that can of tomato soup, please? Um, so a lot of different versions of that as I was looking for illustrations this week, but uh, kind of a funny one. Monsters under the bed. Anybody still check under the bed before you go to sleep at night? You don't have to admit it now, but uh, yeah. And then one more. How about public speaking? I thought as I was thinking about that, it would be fun as I'm looking at some of you right now and you don't want to make eye contact. It would be great to come down there and pull you up here and make you stand in front of all these people. Um, some people would rather do just about anything than get up in front of people. But some fears like these, they might be easy to acknowledge easy for us to admit because they're kind of, I don't say they're surface level, but they're kind of surface level. They're ones that a lot of people deal with. 
So there's really not a whole lot of harm or embarrassment maybe in admitting them. But what about some that maybe are a little bit deeper, maybe a little bit more personal? How about a, a fear of loss? Fear of losing maybe something or someone? Maybe a child, maybe a grandchild, maybe fear of losing control, maybe losing a job or finances. Those are things that can grip us. How about the fear of failure? The fear of trying something new and stepping out because we're afraid that we're gonna fail. The fear of rejection. That might keep us from entering into new relationships. That might keep us from sharing the love of God. That might keep us from a lot of things because as we can easily fall into wanting to please people, that fear of rejection might, might keep us from things that God wants us to do. How about the fear of the unknown? That paralyzing fear of what could or might happen in the future? Sometimes I think that might be the most difficult one to deal with, the fear of the unknown. And then one that I would say has, has crept into society maybe within the last 10 or 15 years, and we can't blame everything on social media, but I tried to, um, but the fear of missing out, FOMO, as we like to call it. I mean, we sit there and we scroll and we scroll and we scroll because we don't wanna miss what's going on. We wanna be in the know. We wanna, we wanna be part of what's happening. So that fear of missing out. So those are all things that the list could go on and on, I'm sure. I may have not hit one of yours, but we can probably all relate at some level, at some degree of having some sort of fear in our lives. But I wanna jump into scripture to hopefully help us with this topic a little bit today. 2 Timothy 1, verses six and seven. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And you might know of other translations say a sound mind. So Paul's writing this letter to Timothy as surely Paul has seen the giftings of God upon Timothy as he's been his spiritual mentor, kind of like a father figure to him in the faith, and, and he's helped raise him up, and he sees these giftings, and, and Timothy is now in a, in a place where he's, uh, he's got some heavy responsibility on him. Paul's trained him up, and now Timothy's overseer of, of what God's doing in Ephesus and the, and the larger area, that region, where there would have been many, many new Christians and congregations, and so Paul's, Paul's writing this to Timothy, and we don't know exactly what maybe Paul's seeing in Timothy. We can, we can speculate. Some commentators think maybe Timothy had been acting somewhat timid, um, that maybe, maybe he didn't have much, maybe he was a, didn't have much courage, or maybe he was a man of normal courage, but just had a lot of responsibility. But regardless, Paul's writing this letter to him out of a need to encourage him and and, and help to strengthen him that he wouldn't fall into living in a spirit of fear and timidity. God didn't want fear and Paul didn't want fear to hold Timothy back in what he was called to do and what God had placed in him. If you notice that first verse, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. So he's not just saying don't be afraid, but he's saying, man, God has placed something in you God wants to do a work in you. God has given you a gifting and a calling. And don't forget to do what's necessary to fan into flames, to stir up, another translation says. Don't forget to do that because he has not called you to live in a spirit 
of fear and timidity. He wants you to live in a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. He, wants, he wanted him to walk in that spirit of, of power. Maybe, again, maybe Timothy was being a little timid. Maybe he, was, maybe he was holding back. And Paul's saying, God wants you to have the power and the boldness to step into what he's called you to do. Maybe you can relate to that today as, as the words for us today as much as it was for Timothy back then. But maybe you need some boldness to step into something today. Or love, he says power, love. Maybe, maybe Timothy was having trouble sharing the good news. Maybe he was having trouble sharing God's love for the people that he was called to serve and to watch over. That word in that, that scripture, that's agape love. That's God's love for us that we then return to him and return to others. And Paul's encouraging him to continue to walk in that. And then self-discipline or, or sound mind. Who knows what other thoughts maybe were, were coming at Timothy. Who knows what things maybe he was maybe giving place in his mind. Maybe he was losing some of the discipline, some of the, the control of how he had been growing spiritually. But here's the bottom line. Our all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, and all-loving God has not given us fear. He has not given us fear. And let's just be clear. I'm not talking about fear that goes with common sense, like I'd be afraid to jump into a pond of hungry alligators. Okay, that's a good fear. That keeps me from danger. We're not talking about that, so don't go do ridiculous things and say, I'm not supposed to be fearful. No, we're talking about the things God's called us to, the things that may bind us up, that may keep us from living in the, the freedom and the victory that he's called us to. But God has not given us that spirit of fear. Max Lucado writes in his book, Fearless, he says, the Gospels list some 125 Christ-issued imperatives. Of these, 21, 21 urge us to not be afraid or not fear or have courage or take heart or be of good cheer. The second most command, to love God and neighbor, appears only eight occasions. Doesn't mean it's not important, not, doesn't mean it's not the what we are supposed to walk in. But he says, if quantity is any indicator, Jesus takes our fears very seriously. The one statement he made more than any others was this, don't be afraid. And we know that fear is initiated by our spiritual enemy. Satan uses lies and, and distortion to get us to think and believe the absolute worst. His best lies are the ones that we choose to believe and receive. And just so you know, fear is not, not the opposite of faith, but be, could be looked at as displaying faith in the wrong things. Fear is placing our faith in the unknown, the abstract, the paralyzing, what if? Anybody ever fallen into that what if? I'm glad I'm not the only one. The what if? It's interesting that we don't very often hear people say, what if something great happens? What if this risk produces an incredible win? No, the what if takes us down that negative road, right? Like, what if when I go to smash that spider, I actually kill it instead of missing it and it falls either on me or somewhere to the floor that I can't see it now and I don't know where it's at, right? That's where we go with it. Yeah, I remember that one time. It was in my wife's closet. I think I got it. I think I ended up getting that spider. I did, I'm pretty sure. 
But the what if, that unbelievable what if that our mind can get focused on. Moses, one of the heroes of the faith, he kind of, I don't want to say he led off the what if campaign, but he definitely fell into it. If you don't know the story, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. He was calling Moses to go back to Egypt and to lead God's people out of Egypt. And so God's asking him to do this. He's commanding him to do it, really. And what does Moses say? But Moses protested again. So he's done it multiple times in Exodus 4. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Here's the point. The what ifs really do matter. Your what ifs really do matter. They determine so much of the direction and honestly the outcomes of our lives. The what ifs can plague our thoughts. Whatever you fear, the what ifs can lead you down that negative road. Did you know that what, what we fear reveals what we value? What we fear reveals what we value. If you've got, if you have fear of something or someone, it indicates that you actually place great value there. Your, indi- your fears may indicate what you value most in life. And then that what if can creep in and start to think, what if I lose that? Or what if what I really value gets destroyed? Or on and on and on it goes. I very much value my physical health and life, and that's why I would never stand on the beam up hundreds of feet above the earth like that one crazy guy in that picture did. Maybe you value what people think of you, so you may not ever put yourself in a position to speak in front of a lot of people because you might say something, say something wrong and make a fool of yourself. Maybe if you value being rejected or value not being rejected, You may not share God's love with people for fear that they might push you away. So you see, what we fear reveals what we value. And here's the the step on your toes part, step on my toes part. What we fear also can reveal where we struggle to trust God. Many times the what ifs indicate a lack of faith and trust in God. If we love and believe in a God who loves us, then why in the world wouldn't our what ifs go to, what if God wants the best for me and this is all gonna work out and it's gonna be okay? What if God that loves me, what if God really loves me, he's gonna protect me and take care of me and I don't need to fear? But we don't like to think about it in that way, do we? If we're fearful, we just want God to deliver us and take care of it. We don't necessarily want to look into ourselves and say, maybe, maybe this has some uh, indication of how much I really trust God. Maybe we don't truly believe in his goodness and protection and, and provision with the things that we value greatly. And then we try to contribute to the cause by worrying, right? Right? And that helps a ton, doesn't it? 
When we worry, it makes it so much better. We worry about our marriage, our family, our finances, our future. You can fill in the blank with whatever it might be, but I'm not trusting God with what? So these what ifs, these what ifs, honestly, we've just gotta begin to face them in our lives. Because if they're there, they're impacting and they're influencing you right now. We've gotta face the what ifs. John Orberg wrote uh, in his book, If You Wanna Walk on Water, You've Gotta Get Out of the Boat. He said, fear and growth go together like macaroni and cheese. It's a package deal. The decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. This means that to be a follower of Jesus, you must renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. I like comfort. <laughs> That's the whole point of the word, right? It's comfortable. I want to be where it's comfortable. So how do we fan into flame or, or stir up, as other translations would say, that which God has placed within us so that we can overcome that fear, so we can overcome that timidity, so that we can move beyond maybe where we're stuck. Well, one of the very first things that we have to do is we've got to own our fear as we choose to trust in God. Well, you've got to own whatever or whoever your fear might be, no matter what it is, and choose to trust the God of the universe who created all that is. We like to ignore or pretend it's not there, right? We don't want anybody to know. We want to pretend everything's all right. We get caught believing that the fear is a sign of weakness, so we don't want to tell anybody about it. But if you ignore it and pretend, it, and pretend it's not there, it's still going to dominate and hinder your life, right? It doesn't go away. You've got to do something about it. We've got to own it We've got to identify it. We've got to name it. And then we've got to get honest before God and ourselves. But before we can choose to trust God, we've got to know God. And so if you're here today, and I can't assume that those within the sound of my voice today all know and trust God, and that's the very first starting place. We can try and deal with it on our own all our lives, but if we don't come to that point of, of knowing and believing and trusting God, saying yes to Jesus, that's what we do around here, that's what we call it. If we haven't said yes to Jesus, then we're in for a really long and painful road. But if we choose to know him, we can own our fear and choose to trust him. David gives us a great example of this in the Psalms, and if anybody had a, a legitimate reason to be locked down by fear, it was David, right? David didn't really do anything. He was a shepherd boy, and now he's got the king chasing after him to kill him. You can read about that story, but King Saul was not really happy with David because David was doing things right and getting more attention, and so he wanted, to, he wanted to kill David, and he is chasing him down. David is literally running for his life, and as he's on the run, he says in Psalm 56, verses two through four, I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. David is making a purposeful choice to put his trust in God. Not just once, 
Not just at a salvation moment at an altar or one time in the past where he said, I trust in God, but specifically at that moment. He says, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? You might say, well, Joel, but you don't know what my fear is. You don't know how legitimate and how scary and and all that, and you're right, I don't. But I know what David's was, and David was not only speaking of life here on earth, but David was speaking of eternity. David's life could, could potentially end, and he knew that, but he knew that that couldn't do anything to his eternity, his eternity promised with the Lord. He switched perspectives from earthly to eternal. He knew that no mere mortal could hurt him eternally. And unfortunately, I think that's where we live. We live in the, the earthly. We live in the temporary. And God wants us to have that heavenly perspective, that eternal perspective. And when we, we can get that right, then that can help us to fight past our fears. So we've got to own it. Sometimes we've got to confess it to others, right? We've got to We've got to own it. We've got to get right before God. We've got, to, we've got to let him know and we've got to ask him for help. Sometimes we've got to let others know too. Because sometimes by telling somebody, we might get that little extra dose of encouragement, accountability. Sometimes we might get somebody helping us to realize that our fear is maybe a little more irrational than we really thought it was. We've got to shine some light on it. We were just at a, a leadership summit here a couple weeks ago, and one of the, the speakers, Vanessa Van Edwards, um, as she was sharing with us, she said, shining light on your fear makes the darkness feel less. And I wouldn't say it just makes it feel less. I would say it makes it less. As we shine light on it, it's not so scary. As we talk with somebody about it, as we open up about it, maybe it helps us to walk past that. David chose to confess, profess, and possess faith and trust in God in the face of his fear. So we've got to do the same. By faith, I choose to trust in you, Lord, as I face this. I surrender my life unconditionally to you, and I'm trusting in you as I try to get past this. So we've got to own it, and then we've also got to seek God until he takes away that fear. For all you dads out there, and, and it could be moms too, but all you dads out there, you're sound asleep at night, finally shut your mind off for the day, man, it just feels so good to be in bed, ready to get all those hours of sleep. Then you hear, dad, dad. And you're like, if I just ignore him, maybe he'll go, maybe he'll go to sleep. Dad, dad, can you hear me? Dad, I'm scared. Then you pretend you're asleep and nudge your wife. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. But a lot of us have been in that place where maybe we've got a little one crying out, out of fear. It reminds me of a, of a story that I heard um, one summer night. There was a thunderstorm going on, maybe not much unlike last night. And a mom was tucking her son into bed and she was about to turn off the light and walk out, and in the little voice, the child says, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? 
Smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug and said tenderly, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in daddy's room. A long silence followed, and at last, the little boy squeaked out in a shaky voice, that big sissy. (laughs) But little kids get it right. I did when I was a kid. I can remember one time I got scared in the middle of the night, and I walked over into my parents' room, and for some reason, instead of saying mom or dad, I just went and stood beside the bed, you know? Stood there looking at him. How many of you ever woke up in the middle of the night and you've jolted like there's some little kid staring at you? Yes. And I did that to my mom and she screamed. Then I screamed. It didn't really help the whole fear factor that night. But we know as little kids that when we're scared, when we're fearful, something about dad's presence, and it could be mom's presence too, something about dad's presence helps to calm that fear, right? I can remember being scared at night, whether it was a thunderstorm or whether it was just the shadows from the closet, you know, that you're convinced that somebody else is in your room. What, whatever it was, if I went and snuggled in bed with mom or dad or if they came and sat with me, it didn't change anything, right? The thunderstorm was still happening. The shadow was still there, whatever it was. But because dad was close, now I could be at peace and I could go to sleep. And there's some real good theology in that, that as we struggle with fear, regardless of what it is, as we struggle with fear, nearness to the Father helps to alleviate that fear, helps us to get a new perspective. It may not change the circumstances, but helps us to get a new perspective where we can be at peace Because when you're little, you think about your dad as like Superman. I wish my kids still thought of me that way. Now they realize how weak I really am. But you think of your dad as Superman. He's going to take care of everything. You think of your mom as Superwoman. She's going to take care of everything. And that's what God wants us to do do with him. To realize I don't have to have that fear of stepping out in boldness. I don't have to have that fear of, of reaching out to share God's love. I don't have to fear about stepping into what he's called me to. I don't have to fear those things that are irrational because his presence, his nearness assures me that he's going to take care of me. Psalm 34, 4 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. That's not just an Old Testament verse for David who was running for his life. That's a life verse for us today that feel like we're fighting for our lives each and every day as we battle the fear that comes at us. That's a verse for us. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me, he freed me from all my fears. My fears, the fears that I walk in, the fears that I deal with, One of mine has been the fear of failure. The fear of failure. And specifically, specifically, the fear of failure in taking care of my family. Go back to you fear what you value. 
I value them greatly. One time, years, been years, years ago, we had a really bad windstorm, and never before in my life I had, had, a, had an issue, but all of a sudden I realized, like, wow, I really can't control that. You know, it's one of those, like, you know, what kind of damage will there be outside, that type of thing. And for whatever reason, whatever I did or however I opened my mind or heart, the enemy was able to get in there. And so I've dealt with, and, and God's, God's brought me through a lot. And we're on the upswing for sure. When pastor asked me to do this message about fear and what ifs, I was like, dang on it. Thank you very much, pastor. But the fear, the fear was bad at times. And Lisa can attest to it. You don't have to ask her about it. She'll go into too much detail, but no. Um, but the fear was real. The what ifs. I let the what ifs in. The what ifs. And trust me, they went very far and very wide. And so I walked in that for quite a while. And I still, it still comes back now and then these days. But it's closeness to the Father. Even last night as I was, as I was finishing off the message and getting things together. And she could attest to this. I was sitting there with my laptop and then I, I started playing some songs. One of the songs we're gonna sing because the enemy was trying to creep in again. He was trying to come back to those what ifs. And not just about fear of failure with my family, but fear of failure here today, standing in front of you. What I consider to be failure in my head about trying to deliver God's word and, and his truth. And he was trying to get in there. And I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know what I'm preaching today, that closeness to him Seeking God helps to squelch that fear. When I get close to him, when I'm singing his praises, when I'm declaring what we're gonna declare with the song that the band's gonna sing, I know that that takes away the fear, like David said in the Psalms. So I don't know what your fear is today. I don't know what you may, maybe you don't, maybe you don't have any. And that's great for you. So maybe you're supposed to come alongside somebody that does, but whatever you may have, God has not given you that spirit of fear and he does, does not want you to walk another second in it. And not just so you don't feel that feeling of fear, but because there are things that he has called you to walk in. And when you walk in that fear, it hinders what he wants you to walk in. Maybe it's just joy and freedom, just the life in general. Because when we walk in the what ifs, when we're, when we're steeped in the what ifs, it hinders us. It can paralyze us literally. And we miss what's happening in the present, what's happening in the now, and we can't get those moments back. And so God does not want you living there. He wants you to own it. He wants you to say yes to him so you can put your trust in him so he can come alongside you to squelch those fears. And then he wants you to continually seek him. Keep seeking him. Keep pressing in. Keep getting as close as you possibly can. Because when I'm right next to dad, those fears go away. That happened when I got next to my dad. And he's a great dad. I know he's not Superman. Sorry, dad, if you're watching. 
He's a great dad. When I was close to him, fear went away. I don't know if my kids would say it now, but when they were little, that's how it played out. When they got close to dad or mom, you could tell the fear went away. So I need to get close to dad, to our heavenly father, to help me get past those fears because there's so much in store for all of us that he does not want us to miss. He doesn't want you to be paralyzed. He does not want you to be a slave to fear. And that's what we're gonna sing about and then I'm gonna come back and close. But as we sing this song, I want you to, I want you to hear the words. I want you to, to sing the words. No, I don't want you to sing the words. I want you to proclaim the words. I want you to praise him and proclaim and see how he moves in your life and see how he wants to come in and get rid of those fears so that you might live in victory and freedom. Team, I thank you for coming back. Nate's gonna say, I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're okay on time here. We've got a few minutes left. And I want us just to enter in as we sing this song. If you need to come and pray as we're singing, that's great. You do what you need to do. But give your heart and your attention to the Lord as we sing here.